hit me. From Studio P in Sausalito, the home of the hit, it's time for... Sucker Time. The number one award-seeking comedy podcast about comedy. Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast podcaster, Mark Hershaw. Yes, it's me, Mark Hershon, and uh, I am on Interstate 5, the uh, the Kessel Run between San Francisco and Los Angeles, on my way down for the 4th Annual Los Angeles Podcast Festival. It's Friday morning, a uh, little after 9 o'clock, I am almost at the halfway point, which means I'm about to pass Kalinga. Uh, Kauschwitz, as it's sometimes known, the immense stockyards that uh, grace the freeway on either side with their heavy cloak of manure smell. Let's be polite about this. Um, this is a half episode, uh, 115.5 of Succotash. I guess Succotash chats. If I was had to choose between chats and clips, because it's me talking to myself. Uh, unless someone calls in while I'm driving, that would be interesting. Uh, it won't be a long show. It's just me babbling about uh, things podcast-like, etc. Looking forward to this year's PodFest. They're touting it as being the, the biggest one so far. And I don't know if that means the number of shows that are going to be performed or the number of people showing up to watch those shows, maybe both, I don't know. Don't know what the layout of the podcast lab will be, perhaps the same as last year, where we were ranged around a gigantic immovable table, uh, each podcast sort of staking out their territory. Uh, it wasn't the best situation. Uh, there were a couple of very loud podcasters who I think managed to bleed over into everybody else's show, but uh, we'll see what it is. Uh, it's always a mystery. And it's always a good time, so that's the most important thing. I think I'm slated to be on two podcasts so far. Uh, Sean Merrick's podcast, Worst Collection Ever, which is about uh, comic books, I believe. And then actually following the podcast festival, I've been speaking with uh, Phil Lairness about uh, being their first Skyped-in guest into the Chill Pack Hollywood Hour where I'm going to attempt to be reviewing Earbuds, the documentary that was shot by the folks that put on the PodFest and will be premiering, I think. I know it's showing. I don't know if it's the premiere, but it will be showing tonight, Friday night. So that should be exciting. Uh, let's see. Just last night, I was hosting the TEDx Marin event in San Rafael. And uh, that was very fun, very exciting. Uh, they had uh, six uh, really interesting speakers uh, on a variety of topics revolving around uh, the very general idea of uh, the human condition. And I didn't get to hear all of everybody's speech because I was backstage uh, sort of prepping and doing different things, but I caught bits and pieces of, uh, of them during rehearsals and during their actual presentations, very interesting stuff. Uh, and it was an honor to be asked to do it. And I don't think I screwed up too bad. Wanted to give a shout out 
to make it more podcast related because I was using a piece that Jesse Jones, who's one of the co-hosts of the Stab podcast out of Sacramento, California, I'd heard a piece that he'd done uh, that we played a clip from actually on uh, episode uh, Epi One Fourteen of Succotash, and it was a piece about uh, sort of reimagining what ISIS meant. And I thought that kind of, I dealt with the human condition, at least the way I set it up was that uh, humans have a tremendous capacity to use humor to deal with the most awful things. And he had written a piece about reimagining what the acronym ISIS stood for. And it was a very funny little piece about it being a a philosophical, uh, amateur philosophical society called Is Is. And uh, so I asked his permission to uh, read that. He sent me the text for it in advance of the event last night. Very kind of him. And um, I will split my proceeds with you, Jesse. Uh, I will give you half of what they paid me to to host the event. It was uh, the exact same amount I make from our donations through our donate button on SuckatashShow.com each week, which is nothing. Uh, but again, a pleasure to be asked, and it was a pleasure to uh, perform. And Jesse, thanks again for your contributions. Uh, it got laughs and helped to set the evening off uh, to a great start. So thank you. And just another reason why podcasting is so interesting. If I'd heard that on a radio show somewhere, how was I going to track that guy down and ask for the permission to use that piece? But um, gosh, I'd clip the thing on our show. I actually reached out on Twitter, and uh, Jesse was happy to oblige. So that was fantastic. Um, So again, thanks to Jesse Jones from STAB for that. Uh, What else? Um, It's kind of funny as my podcast, I don't think, has uh, gained me much in terms of notoriety or listeners other than other podcasters who are grateful for the additional uh, shout-out and getting clipped on the show to kind of spread the word that they have a podcast. But uh, since I've been uh, republishing my Splitsider.com reviews as a contributor to This Week in Comedy Podcasts on Huffington Post, I've certainly been getting more notoriety. Uh, I have a lot of people sending me requests to uh, review their podcasts, and uh, it reaches beyond the realm of comedy podcasts So I don't know if I need to tinker with the way I set those things up in Huffington Post to let them know I'm really just covering comedy podcasts, or should I spread my wings and start listening to other podcasts? I don't know. There's, I have to listen to so many comedy podcasts for my show that I don't really have the bandwidth to do much more, but I don't know. It's, it's grateful. I'm grateful to have people asking me, uh, and I guess I'll try to cover them as best I can when I can, uh, but uh, that's been interesting. I enjoyed doing those reviews, by the way. Uh, it's nice to be able to kind of let more people know beyond the, the uh, ranks of you loyal listeners to Succotash uh, that the comedy podcasting world does exist. And as I was just telling somebody yesterday, he was telling me uh, they were involved in a meeting of a group of people trying to start a small radio show. It's like, what's the point? Uh, terrestrial radio, while it's not dead, it's it's become more confined because I can reach more people on the internet than I would ever be able to reach having a terrestrial radio show playing clips of people's comedy podcasts. 
So, so um, everything in its place, as the old saying goes, and terrestrial radio has had to uh, rediscover its place in the media bandwidth, which is interesting to note. Uh, let's see, what else can I say? Um, I don't know, I think podcasting once again is beginning to uh, find, uh, it, it goes up in popularity uh, every so often. People start to discover it again and again. Now that more podcast networks are beginning to emerge, in fact, um, I'm looking forward to meeting uh, the founder of yet another podcast network in uh, in Los Angeles. He's uh, come out for the podcast festival. I'll try and get an interview with him. But uh, the founder of Podnose is uh, making a visit to the Podfest, so I will uh, hook up with him, I think, and uh, we'll see exactly why why are you drawn to uh, probably the same reason I was drawn to start this show. Why are you drawn to start a podcast network? Because he has his own pod podcast, yet he wants to bring people into the fold and uh, get the word out there and, and be sort of the, 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 the place where you can find a series of podcasts about different topics. So it's fascinating. I think as that world grows, the listenership grows even more because now people can find more things in one place. And ultimately, putting on my, my speculation hat, and I've mentioned this before, I think it's going to lead to just like it has with Pod, uh, the the Pod Wolf, or the Wolf. What, what's it called? I say I can't even remember the name of it, but it's the new. Um, <coughs> excuse me. The new network from uh, the folks from uh, Earwolf and uh, Ear Pop and all those other things. Uh, it's beginning to uh, reach into the commercialization phase, and once that starts to happen, once that template gets folded in. Then the major corporations will be sweeping in to get their chunk and to begin to control it all. And eventually, there will be no point to having a succotash, I think, because you'll be able to get it through some commercial venture. Uh, maybe they'll ask me to host it. I'll do it. I'll do it. Yes, call me. Uh, succotash hotline, always open for business. 818-721. Wait, 828? God, it's been so long since I've actually said the number. Uh, 818-921-7212 is the number to call. Leave a message for me about how you want me to host your big commercial version of Succotash. I will even sell you the domain and all the rights therein. Uh, <laughs> sell out, of course. Uh, no area too gray. <laughs> no job too small. Just uh, tell me where to sign. Uh, one of the things I've noticed about podcasting growing as I'm talking about it now, is uh, I've had a very loyal cadre of podcast uh, fellow podcasters who enjoy my show. Uh, I try to clip them when I can, but they know I'm trying to like get the word out about new podcasts, so I don't think they resent the fact I can't keep playing their clips over and over again, but they remain quite loyal and to help me get the word out, do a lot of retweeting, really appreciate it. You all know who you are. If I start mentioning you, I won't be able to mention everybody, and then I don't want there to be hurt feelings. Uh, and I do try to, you know, play you once in a while just because uh, you've been very good to me, which is great. But I've also noticed that the the uh, sea of loyalty 
or, or the circle of loyalty. I can't quite call it, call it a C because it's way too intimate, but uh, the circle of loyalty has been growing of late. Uh, there's a lot of podcasts that I've been clipping that have only been out there for five, six, seven shows that have, they're just getting started. And even though I've been doing this for, gosh, has it been four years, three and a half years? I'm losing track. Um, but uh, they've joined the fold of those who uh, understand what Succotash is really about. It's not really about blowing the Succotash horn, although, gosh, I love it when you guys play something uh, or include me somehow in your show. But uh, it's about trying to get the word out about the medium and the micro-medium. Have I just coined a new phrase, micro-medium of comedy podcasting? Uh, well, there it is for you to use, as you will, Phil Larness. Since you've already embraced TweetSack, go ahead and take micro-medium. <laughs> anyway, it's all always appreciated, but uh, it's great to seeing that circle uh, growing as, uh, as the weeks roll on. It's actually refueled my interest in trying to make Succotash happen on a more frequent basis. Finally, uh, there was a wallowing period as I was getting used to my new day job where it was really getting hard to get these things out. Um, and Tyson Saner made a big uh, move in his life, literally, uh, moving from uh, uh, one state to another. And uh, so he's been off the grid for a little while, but Tyson is back and... Uh, harvesting clips like there's no tomorrow, which is great. But with him out of the picture, it was making it really difficult for me to listen and clip and try and get something going. And I didn't really have time to do interviews, so the Succotash chats were sort of falling by the wayside. So thanks for sticking with us and uh, getting the word out again. Man, I can babble, can't I? Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing Earbuds, the documentary I mentioned earlier uh, from the folks... Uh, that bring you the podcast festival and um, their own podcasts, of course. Uh, I will uh, do the review if I can watch it tonight. I think I'm, I have a ticket. I believe I'm automatically in because I have the three-day pass. I've been assured by the LA PodFest folks on Twitter that I, I'm getting in. So I'll try and do that review for uh, Chill Pack Hollywood. And uh, because it is about podcasting i will also uh, do a version of a review for huffington post and because uh, you are my loyal listeners i'll do a review for the listeners of succotash as well although as is my want i may just clip me doing the review on chillpack hollywood and then just repost it here on my own podcast what would be more fitting or more meta in the in the uh micro-medium world of comedy podcasts. So uh, looking forward to seeing the movie, seeing who I recognize, both uh, visually and uh, audibly in that. They were shooting in and around the podcast lab last year for this documentary, so who knows, there may be a glimpse of Succotash. It's one of the reasons I always make sure I put one of my big Succotash signs out where I am. I was kind of using it as a giant placemat last year because there was no wall space to hang it on um so look for that it's the big green succotash placemat and who knows i might be in there somewhere i'm sure they had tons of footage so it would be easy to cut around me in film editing jargon but it should be a fun romp uh and we'll see how that comes out 
Uh, I don't have the lineup in front of me for uh, who's going to be at the PodFest officially this year. I'm hoping to run into Hal Lublin, um, who's been my guest for the past three years that the Thrilling Adventure Hour has been performing at Sketchfest in San Francisco. Uh, just sort of fell in with Hal always showing up to uh, do an interview. And uh, I think I mentioned this at one point uh, after the last time that I have a bit of a bone to pick with him, a comedically fitting bone to pick with him because uh, I didn't realize, because he wasn't revealing anything in my last interview, that he and Mark Gagliardi were going to come out with their own podcast. And it's sort of as the waning days of Thrilling Adventure Hour were coming up, so he knew the show was coming to an end. I don't think anybody else publicly knew. So he and Mark were ramping up their own podcast, which is called We Got This, uh, which I clipped uh, in its very early days. And it's been on now, I think they're rounding episode 30 or something like that. Uh, and I enjoy, really enjoy listening to it. It's a short podcast, which makes it easy to sort of consume when you're on the run on the, you know, the way to work or whatnot. But uh, he and Mark have a great um, uh, repartee on the show, and it's fun to listen to. So I'm hoping the two of them are uh, going to be popping in. I know Thrilling Adventure Hour is, is there, and so I'd love to capture the two of them. Hopefully I can get them to come into the podcast lab and chat with us. That would be fun. Hello, friends. Summer's here, and thanks to the effect of climate change, it's likely to be hotter than a blowtorch full of Tabasco sauce. <laughs> Who writes these things? Not to worry, the pants-geneers at Henderson's Pants have been busy, busy, busy as the proverbial beavers coming up with a sartorial breakthrough that will help y'all chillax your way through the torrid days of summer. Introducing Henderson's Air-Cooled Cooler. These are the first unisex trousers that feature a high-tech, compact cooling system guaranteed to keep your prickly heat on ice through the hot and steamy summer months. How does Henderson's do it? The secret is in the ripstop nylon duffel bag that you carry along, which contains a repurposed air conditioning unit from a 1974 Chevy Vega. A sturdy, flexible pipe connects to a valve in the right rear pocket, while a similar conduit vents warm air out of the left rear pocket. Our reliable elastic bands help keep the seals stay tight at your waist and calves, so you'll literally be able to chill your ass out within moments of switching on your air-cooled culottes. Although the air conditioning unit weighs in at a hefty 30 pounds, the complimentary duffel bag comes complete with a comfortable shoulder strap with room to store extra batteries. Originally designed for the Summer Olympic ice skating team, Lawrence of Arabia, and the chic, the chic, the chic of Araby, Henderson's air-cooled culottes can be found anywhere you see our windowless Henderson's vans slowly cruising the neighborhood. <laughs> That's Henderson's, makers of cool cockamamie contraptions since 1903. And now back to Sakatash. On the uh, on the phone uh, from Los Angeles, which is where I'm heading, is uh, Rick Overton. Hello, Rick. Hey, Mark. Past uh, How are you, buddy? good good friend and past uh, Succotash guest and uh, host of his own podcast. The last time I was able to do an overview was uh, a few months ago in 
sort of uh, been on hold here until the new studio goes up, but I'm going to start them up again. Ah, very nice, very nice. Hey, I was just uh, seeing all the pictures online of our friend Kelly Carlin's book signing and reading from Barnes & Noble. It was a bad moment. We were all there That's last fa- night. That's fantastic. The bill sold out everything. Uh, that book's going to fly. Um, it's, it's terrific. It's uh, Carlin Home Companion. It's based on Kelly Carlin's life with her father. And uh, amazing stuff. And it's a really, really great book. Very insightful. It talks about things that transcend just her circumstance. Everyone will take something from it. That's fantastic. I for for listeners of Succotash, I uh, on the la- latest episode, Epi uh, One Hundred and Fourteen, I uh, clipped uh, Janet Varney's JV Club with Kelly as her guest, and uh, they uh, they talk a little bit about uh, about the book and whatnot. So I'm excited to. Uh, to read it, I, how how close does it uh, mirror her one woman show? Uh, there's certainly excerpts from it that are from the show, and then and then from stuff that's not from the show that is simply for the book. She read some things that we didn't see in the show, and that was really great too. So uh, she will be doing her book tour for a little while. That's excellent. Yeah, I asked if uh, she was going to be around uh, the podcast festival because I'd love to have her sit with me again. But uh, she said she is on the road indeed. So uh, good luck to her and uh, every success. Oh, absolutely. She's coming to her own light. It's her voice now. It's not she's her. She's working very, very hard on making sure that we know this is her identity as well and not just, you know, existing to explain her father to everyone uh, but that this will help do that and then we've got a, a person whose own valid opinion and voice uh, shines well on their own uh, yeah which has been great about her own podcast you know that she's been running for a few years you know where you really did get to hear her voice it was sort of uh, interesting because uh, my interview with her was way back when I first started Succotash and uh, she graciously uh allowed me to interview her at home, you know, out in that kind of back room area they have behind their house. Yeah, the guest house. The guest house. And it was the, the I took a photo to run with the, the uh, interview and it was just sort of a weirdly sort of telling photo of her mindset at the time. And there was a big cardboard standup of George behind her chair. So sort of looming in the background. And, yeah, right. You know, it, it feels like now the that stand-up is probably in its rightful place, you know, somewhere beside her or sort of off to the side somewhere. It'll always have a place. It's just that now she has a lot of great things to say all on her own. Yeah. And so there's there's room for both. That's that's what growing up is, man, you know. Making room for the next thing while holding on to the things you should have held on to. Yeah. Enough to think you couldn't have. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I was just, uh, just before I called you, I was listening to uh, WTF with Mark Marin. He had Patrick Stewart on this week. Oh, he did? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it just, uh, just dropped yesterday. And uh, so a fascinating interview. I mean, just talks about uh, his dad and the whole, just how it colored his 
kind of his whole career in a way that he didn't kind of realize until much later. But uh, so he's, you know, he's starring in Blunt Talk, which I have not had a chance to see yet. But you are, uh, you've appeared on the show on on Stars. And uh, what, uh, what character were you, are you playing? Or were you, was it just a one shot or are you coming back? Well, yeah, uh, right now it's a one shot, but I don't know. He seems like a sort of guy that would show up again, doesn't he? Uh, well, like I said, I have not had a chance to see it yet. So, uh, what, uh, without uh, maybe spoiling it for me, other people probably have seen it. But uh, what, uh, what's your turn in the show? Well, Sharon Lawrence plays my wife, but she's also in a twelve-step uh, group that Patrick Stewart was forced to go to, and uh, those two started having an affair. And uh, I'm uh, going to chase him to kill him with a golf club. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that, that's great. So, what was it like working? What, what was it like working with him? Oh, it's a delight. He's a wonderful, wonderful person and uh, hilarious. And it's just fantastic shape. I'm chasing him. There's no catching him. It was great. That's fantastic. Uh, it was fun to talk with him in between takes about what the business is like and what it used to be like. And then, you know, he just sits and talks. It was fun. Yeah, a lot on his mind, certainly. As you know, he's got a new series and it's tons and tons of dialogue. And uh, so I really hope this runs forever. Seth MacFarlane is one of the producers and creators of it. And, uh, you can see the sensibility there is uh, hilarious. That's fantastic. Now, you've you've done an impression of Patrick Stewart as Captain Picard for a number of years in your act. What was it like being in the the presence of the voice that you really kind of have only gleaned from you know uh, movie theater or television speaker, and now you've got this sort of booming stentorian voice coming right at you? It's very exciting uh, to. to hear all, you know, what his life was like uh, in between takes and just talk with the, the, the person, the individual. Yeah. And he's a good guy. He's a good down-to-earth, not-up-and-orbit guy. Yeah, you know, I've, I've found that, that not that I've had that much uh, tra- trafficking with, uh, with English actors or whatnot, but the ones that I have met that I've always been sort of spellbound by, I'm always amazed how much more down-to-earth they are than a lot of well, I won't call them American actors. I'll call them American celebrities who seem so full of themselves. Yeah. Yeah, that, that seems like there's a little more of a get-over-yourself uh, uh, maybe theater training rather than movie and TV experience might encourage one to have a different skill set with other people. You know, I think it's also, I think there's a, a mindset in, in England, at least there was at the, at the time, maybe there is more of a celebrity drive now, but at the time, because uh, years and years ago, I was able to interview both Michael Palin and John Cleese, sort of at the height of their Python popularity, uh, when they were doing uh, press for A Fish Called Wanda. And, uh, oh, great. And they were just so, I mean, I actually got to have dinner with Michael Palin, it was me two other writers and we got to have a two hour dinner with him and just in a restaurant in San Francisco and he was just such a normal guy and I even asked him in the interview and he says well you know what because I think in England we just regard what we do as being this is how we make a living 
You know, this is our sure. yeah. This is our job. One guy might be a bricklayer, another guy might work as a clerk in a store, and I just happen to go on television and read some lines to people. <laughs> True. <laughs> Change the lie to people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, there's uh, certainly a big industry for that, right? Yes, yeah, so and you've been uh, you've actually been pretty busy. You're on a you were on a commercial, I think, the the, the night that Colbert's show debuted, right? Yeah, the TV uh, commercial where my son, uh, uh, my my wife, uh, Molly Weiss, and my son, uh, Chief Marco Sarissi, is are uh, both improvisers, and uh, my son got a job working for GE, and so I'm. I think it's appropriate to give him my grandfather's hammer. <laughs> and it's this gigantic sledgehammer. <laughs> and I, I just slam it on the table in front of him, and he doesn't know what to do with it. And the, the conversation just goes on from there. Yeah, it's fantastic. God, it's great. It's great to see you working so much. Oh, man, I love it. I love it. That was just on an episode of Comedy Central's Another Period. Oh, nice. Uh, Natasha Leggero and Ricky Lindholm. That's great. That's yeah. great. Yeah. So that's uh, so that little wave of work. You know how these things go. They come and they go, and you're just happy to get them. Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. You know, it's funny. Last night I was hosting that TEDx Marin talk um, up in San Rafael. Well, I wanted to. I wanted to ask you about how TED went. Man. Uh, it was great. It was. I mean, I've never even been to an event like that, let alone had the honor of hosting it, but. Just these, uh, you know, they had these six speakers that were uh, talking way out of my league about, you know, what seemed to be important issues. And I would spell those with capital I's, important issues. You know, the, the right to die movement and just, uh, uh, there was a video from a, 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 a woman who uh, sort of went undercover as a journalist and was teaching um, English to male students in North Korea for a year. Uh, and just her whole fascinating. So it was just amazing and an honor to be asked. But uh, the uh, the guy who's the executive producer for the TEDx Marin events is uh, Bob Ayers, who ran the other cafe for years in San Francisco. I know Bob Ayers. He's running TEDx. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so that was just a, a fascinating sort of, I interviewed him for Marin Magazine uh, for the issue in July, and I hadn't seen him in probably 20, 25 years, even though we both live in Marin. And uh, he said, uh, hey, I've seen you do improv at the Throck with, with Overton. Uh, would you be interested in hosting this uh, TEDx event I have coming up? I said, yeah, absolutely. So... Uh, I have, I have to thank you for uh, agreeing to headline at the Throck so I could do improv with you so he could see me, so I could interview him, so he could ask me if I wanted to host. So there. Well, I think we all need to turn around and thank Ruth Goldberg. <laughs> <laughs> and, and the percentage of listeners that are going to get that joke. Uh, oh, man. I, I, I applaud. I just showed my age. I applaud them. <laughs> Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, no, it was great. It was uh, it was a great event. It was interesting to host something that was not inherently something that was meant to be funny. 
because um, I still had to kind yeah. of, I was there to kind of be the grease in the wheels and try and sort of, you know, you have the, the head of the right to die movement doing a 12 minute speech and I've got to come out hey, and, listen. yeah. Yeah, you go up to them, hey, listen, I don't want to say you stole it, but I also have a right to die honk that I do. Is it, is yeah. it, is it right? But my, my comedic intent was to come out and say, I think it's fair to say she killed it. <laughs> but, but then, who better? However, but, 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 but then, but then, to be fair, who who better to have the right to kill it than her? <laughs> That's lovely, man. So those are the jokes I couldn't do. Uh, but uh, I did. I did. I was just uh, telling the the listeners in the setup to my little half episode here that uh, I o- actually opened the show with a piece that I heard on a podcast uh, the week before. There was a there's a Sacramento sketch group called Stab, uh, and they do a podcast. And there was a guy who read a piece on there about having to redefine ISIS, the acronym ISIS. And so uh, I went in with this, uh, my, my premise in opening the show was, the show is all about the human condition at the TEDx event. And I said, if the humans have an amazing capacity to, u- to use humor to sort of get around the most dire of circumstances. And, uh, and so I said, I've got this piece written by Jesse Jones of STAB about redefining the acronym ISIS. And it was a very funny little piece about, uh, it's actually the... Uh, the acronym used as the name for uh, an amateur philosophical society called Is Is. <laughs> is Is. <laughs> uh, and so he was kind enough to send me the uh, his script for the piece. It was like a two minute bit, and uh, so I opened with that and I accredited to him with uh, with the piece. So it was kind of cool to to bring podcasting in some small way to that audience that may or may not be that aware of it yet. Um, I'm, I'm very, uh, I'm very glad you're also, like Kelly, stepping into a new arena too. Uh, yeah, very much so. Yeah, that was uh, a much more somber sort of uh, thing and it was uh, it was nice to be able to sort of bring my energy to to that forum. And uh, you're gonna do. The question is, will you do more? If 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 invited, yes. If uh, if called to serve, I will. <laughs> it's a tough job, but absolutely. So uh, anyway, what uh, what else has been going on in the in, in your life? Of, of, of note that uh, you would want to talk to my listeners about. Well, I'm excited about Bernie Sanders. Oh yeah, yeah. The man is definitely gaining some steam. It's it's really it's it's more it's bigger than anyone has predicted, isn't it? It is, and I think the the more of a mockery that Donald Trump makes, not just of himself but of the entire political system, uh, the the brighter the light, <laughs> the, the brighter the light will shine on him, not him on Bernie. Yeah, that's right. Uh, because in some weird ways, Trump was talking about populist things too, and 
also he's attacking everyone he needs to attack there in a wonderful way. It's, uh, I, I call him a firebox. You know what a firebox is, right? Yeah, absolutely. Bar, bar, well, the audience here, so, so the forest would be on fire, and uh, a little fox would be running through the forest with his tail on fire, and he runs to the one place that he thinks is the safest, which is the village made of grass huts. <laughs> yes. And his. And, and in, in roughly an hour, the village is a blackened square. <laughs> from the view drove up, there's nothing left. The firebox ran from place to place. People went, shoo, shoo, get out of here. And it spurred from place to place. There's no fire department back then. They all went down. So that's what's happening. He is. The thing is, he's not running to our camp. He's running to the Republican camp. That's safety to him. So yeah. he's burning them down. Yes. Then I went all the progressives was saying, what are we going to do about Trump? I say, we're going to sit back and let him do his thing is what we're going to do. Yes. I don't know what you're so worried about. <laughs> I think this is great. Yeah, I uh, I started off last night by the first I went on stage. The first thing I said was simply Donald Trump, and then I said, "Well, they said to open with a joke and to keep it brief. That's the funniest, shortest thing I could think of." <laughs> That's great. That's a great line. <laughs> oh, I think he's glorious. Oh yeah. In some weird way. Oh yeah. I think yeah. there's a, magnif- a weird magnificence to him that we'll look back on. If he doesn't become president, he'll be a national hero. Oh, he's, I mean, I can't imagine, I really can't imagine he would become president, but he will be looked upon as perhaps the ultimate court jester. I mean, he's a complete, that's right. he's a complete reflection of everything that's wrong with the system. It, it seems almost like it's a, a play, a play that, that he knows he'll never have the actual job for. And in a way, maybe he made a mark or, a, you know, a meaningful statement about something, and we'll see it. But I, I, sometimes I wonder if he isn't going to unzip the back of his head and pull it off and it's Andy Kaufman. Ah, that would be... That would be fantastic. The longest, the longest performance ever. By Andy Kaufman. Yes, Donald Trump never actually existed. <laughs> uh, anyway, pal, I better get focus on my driving. It's beginning to thicken up here on I five. But uh, thanks for talking to us. And uh, if uh, oh, thank if, you. if you're around, uh, I should hit town probably around noon or one o'clock. So uh, maybe we can uh, grab a snack or something. Yeah, maybe grab a dinner or something like that. What's your night like? Uh, well, I've got a I've got to register at the uh, the podcast uh, festival around yeah, four o'clock or so, and they're showing that earbuds documentary tonight, so I want to definitely catch that. Okay, um, so let me know when you're in. I'll give so you. Let me know when you get in. You got it. Thanks. All right, bud. Thanks, pal. All right, so there we had a visit from our friend Rick Overton, and uh, great to talk to him. I look forward to seeing him in a couple of hours. Uh, that's right, I forgot the Comedy Day is going on in San Francisco this Sunday in Golden Gate Park, a five-hour free comedy show, 32 years, 31, 31, I can't remember how many years, I know it's over 30 years now, 
Uh, and normally I would go and hang out with uh, my comedy brethren, but uh, it happens to coincide with the Podfest this year. So uh, I am going to opt to hang with my podca- podcast brethren instead. How about that? And of course, those boundaries are quite uh, blurred between podcasting and comedy in a lot of circles. So I feel like it's uh, an extension of comedy day, if you will. Anyway, as uh, Rick said, he has not uh, been uh, dropping any episodes of uh, his podcast for a while, uh, but he's planning to get back to it. And that's the beautiful thing about podcasting is he can come and go and uh, it's uh, hopefully your listeners are still there for you. I know that our Succotash listeners often are, which is great. And given the, uh, the difficult time I've had recently, I mentioned earlier, just trying to... Uh, keep this show on track in terms of dropping it in a timely manner, but uh, we do what we can. Uh, Maybe we should, you know, people are always looking for a new name for podcasting because even the iPod that gave it its name is essentially dead. Uh, So how about hobby casting? (laughs) Since so many people do this on the side. Uh, But you know what? As it becomes more and more professional, this is going to be more of a job. Uh, so even hobby casting won't work. So the search goes on for a podcast name replacement. And by God, I'm in the brand name business. I should be able to come up with something that sticks. So I will keep working on it in my name laboratory that I have at home with the beakers bubbling and the Bunsen burners burning, that sort of thing. Uh, anyway, uh, temperature here on I-5 is uh, not too bad. It's uh, 11 o'clock in the morning. It's 78 degrees. So it's actually uh, a rather temperate day here in uh, the San Joaquin Valley. Um, that's going to do it for this uh, mini-sode or half a sode uh, 115.5. As I teased in uh, 115, I will be trying to drop my little interviews that I'm doing at PodFest throughout the weekend. So maybe I will uh, sort of put a blanket Epi 116 on that and then just uh, parcel those out to like uh, 116A, 116B. It doesn't seem like I should number them individually. But anyway, we'll see how that all breaks down. Who knows? I'll talk to my producer. No, he's in Sausalito. I'll talk to the executive producer. That's me. And we'll figure this whole thing out. Uh, In the meantime, thanks so much for listening. And uh, please remember, wherever you go, whoever you talk to, please be sure to pass the Succotash. Goodbye. You've been listening to Succotash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants and... Imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuccotashShow.com, on iTunes, on Stitcher Smart Radio, and on SoundCloud. You can also hear us streaming and like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Succotash Show. Email us at MA rc at succotashshow.com or call into the succotash hotline at our non-toll free call number 818-921-7212 that number again is 818-921-7212 succotash is produced and engineered with the kind assistance of joe paulino through the auspices of studio p sausalito home of the hit our associate producer is tyson saner our musical director is scott carvey our booth assistant is kenny durges until next time I am your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please 
past the succotash. Goodbye.